This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Ladies and gentlemen, this past Sunday in Bridgeport, Thunderbirds defenseman Maxime Fortunas reached a grand milestone. Fortunas's 15-season career has seen him reach the pinnacle of his sport, and on March 11, 2018, it saw Maxime play on his 1,000th professional hockey game. At this time, please welcome onto the ice Springfield Thunderbirds president Nathan Costa as he congratulates Maxime Fortunas on his milestone of his 1,000th professional game. Maxime Fortunas was born in July 28, 1983 in La Prairie, Quebec. He played in the NHL for the Dallas Stars alongside a long career in the AHL and ECHL. Let's meet the man from the cart. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Good. Yourself? Good. Thank you. Uh, it's great to have you on the My Hockey Hero podcast. Um, what I'm flashing in front of you here is a uh, rookie card with uh, the Dallas Stars. And I'm just going to ask you, what comes to mind when you see this card? I mean, I guess I would say, or I could say, um, just the hard work. Hard work. It's, you know, proud of myself, I guess, when I see that. It was a, a dream, dream come true, I guess, if I could have put it that way for sure. Yeah, and although um, we know that um, it's such a monumental task to make it to the NHL, so now that you've been away from the game for uh, the NHL for a number of years, um, is it that much sweeter to see uh, just visually and looking back and know that, that you made it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you kind of look back at at all the work that you put in all those years, starting at a young age, uh, you know, starting when you're you know, three, four years old and all you see is all the, the guys in the NHL play and you see them on TV and uh, you play street hockey with uh, pretending you're one of them. And then, you know, you just play the game because you love it. And then at some point, once you get older and older, you keep working and kind of moving up the ranks, you kind of realize that, hey, you know, I, I'd love to get a chance at it too. And then once you get that chance, it's a, at some point, it's like I said, it's, it's a dream come true. And it's it's something that you, you never think it's, it's possible when you're really young. And at some point, you just, you know, you fight for it and then, at some point, you realize, hey, that's that's a pretty big achievement. That's a great uh, reflection. So, uh, the card I showed you, do you recall um, where that was taken? Have you seen that card before? Have you got other cards? I've seen that card. I've seen that card. My kids have a couple of them laid around the house. Um, can't say exactly where or which game was taken here, but uh, I, I, if you have that knowledge, I'd, I'd like to know it for sure. Okay, I'll look into that a little further to find out if I if I do have any answers. So, did you recall collecting hockey cards as a young person, um, or even still to this day? I I do. I had a, a big binder of, with a lot of hockey cards growing up. For me, it was uh, you know, especially being a little kid in Montreal, you know, when all your buddies playing hockey and you're trading cards here and there, and you know, we're, we're all trying to get the the full Montreal Canadiens team back then and stuff and get, you know, you figure out and you get your, your favorite players as cards. And so it was, yeah, for, for, for me, it was, a, it was, a, it was a fun hobby when I was growing up. And now, you know, my youngest kid now just started to, to start collecting cards and he's, he's having a blast with it. 
Do you recall where you bought the cards when you were in, in Montreal? Did you uh, buy them at, by the package? Were you buying them um, in, in, in the packages? For me, I, I think it was just a, like a little little gas station around the around the corner from from my house. It was like literally a three-minute walk from there. And then we just used to go there, get some candies, get your, your hockey cards, and um, you know, you'd get right back home. And then you'd sit with your binder for hours, eating your candy after that. Yeah. It was, uh, and so when I grew up, it was uh, pink bubble gum. Was, was there a candy in yours, or, or were they still giving out bubble gum in the packages? Uh, see, for me, it was uh, it was the the penny stra- penny strawberries or penny raspberries. So you'd go there, you have a dollar, they give you a hundred, you know, raspberries, little candy raspberries. That was the best for me. And then you sit at home and just actually count your your raspberries, making sure you actually got a hundred. Very so, neat. And that was uh, yeah. So, so everyone knows your pro career um, with Dallas was in 2009, 2010. Uh, and prior to that, you played in the ECHL and the American Hockey League for six seasons. Um, we also know that you're currently assistant coach with the Texas Stars, which is the uh, feeder team for the Dallas Stars NHL team. So it's great to know that you're leading away, leading that way for uh, minority coaches. So uh, we're going to get into that later. I want to take a step back first and talk about your first experiences. Uh, my understanding is you were born in La Prairie, Quebec, and understand that you're of uh, Haitian descent. So can you share with us what it was like growing up in your ha- household? You could just uh, sort of dive into that for us. Yeah, for sure. For me, it was, uh, you know, it was you know, my parents, my brother and I, my older brother is two years older than me. And, you know, my, my parents coming from Haiti, they immigrated to Canada in 75 or so. And, uh, you know, I've probably never seen snow before, never seen hockey before. But they kind of realized it was the thing to do once you're in, in Canada, especially in Montreal. Once they got to have kids and stuff, and they, they realized that we were really active. And, uh, you know, for them, they put us into soccer. And then they kind of realized hockey is kind of the same thing, but, uh, you know, on ice, I guess, with skates. So they, they really uh, enjoyed that part of the sport. And so they just decided to, you know, put us into uh, hockey and try it. And uh, kind of for, for them, I think it was a way to also – Get us get us involved with, with the other kids also. You know, you're you're new in this country. You should want to get your your family, your kids involved in the community, and uh, you know, make sure that they all fit in properly. So uh, that's how we kind of we kind of grew up. Uh, getting getting into hockey. And what age was that at? We start. I I started playing hockey. I was probably four years old. It was my first experience. So I remember my mom telling me stories about uh, her seeing watching the Montreal Canadiens uh, on TV, and she thought that Chris Nyland was kind of uh, the, the type of player I was going to be. So somehow she thought I was going to be, a, I, I guess, a, a pretty big player, you know, that was pretty physical, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then that's how she, she, she kind of got me into, into hockey. So if they, if they did come to that area in, in 1975, you're sort of in the midst of um, a lot of the winnings for the Montreal Canadiens with uh, players like uh, Guy Lafleur and, Shock Lemire and Larry Robinson. Yeah. And and there's still a lot of success uh when you yeah, they you're talking about the early eighties. So I'm not surprised that uh they would have been kind of swept up in that as experience of something that a lot of Canadians do. So Yeah, for sure. For sure. Even for my parents, like I said, like who didn't really know hockey, but you know, if you go you know, talk to my dad about Larry Robinson, you know, or, or those guys which I'm really bold, like he'll know you know a lot of things about them just because you know, they just used to watch them on TV and, and really appreciate what those guys would do with the games. Yeah, so in these early days then, are you uh, reflecting upon picking up uh, skating and hockey very easy or was it a bit of a struggle for you? Or can you share that with us? 
No, I don't. Tough to recall, but like I said, like I, I was a pretty uh, active kid, even at a really, really young age. Like for me, I would get into everything, especially being like a younger kid, you know, the youngest in the family. Uh, you know, you're always trying to keep up to the elder brother. So whatever my brother, my older brother would do, I would just try to follow up, follow up to him too. So for me, it was just, yeah, I'm just going. You know, my mom would, you know, take me left and right, following with where my brother would go. And I would just, you know, try to mimic what he was doing, I guess. Okay. So then um, sure. what positions did you play and what, what was the team that you sort of got connected with at a younger age? Was there one team you stuck with and was it uh, single A hockey, double A, triple A? Tell us about your pathway. Yeah, so for me, uh, I, you know, we started, uh, I guess I started in my hometown in La Prairie in, in uh, Montreal, close to Montreal there. And, uh, you know, that's where I played all my, my minor hockey. And then, um, you know, I, I remember you talked about positioning positions, but, uh, you know, I was a defenseman when I started playing and then I always asked my coaches to you know I wanted to be a sentiment just like hey can, can I try center and I want I want to you know go up there and score goals and and then he's like all right I'll try you for for one game so he put me a center for one game and he told me you were always the first one back first one back to your own zone so he's like Max you're gonna be a defenseman so that's where he kind of well, kept me in that position and it, it kind of stuck to you know for, for, for my playing career and did the team you play on was a successful team and were you into lots of travel and uh, was it the highest level of hockey? No, see, that's the thing, right? It's just a little different, I felt, back in the day, especially around, you know, the Montreal area where there's so many teams around, like, you know, growing up, you know, when you play in minor hockey, there's, you know, every city has its own team. So you drive 15 minutes, there's a team, there's a rake, you know, 15 minutes the other way, there's another team, another rake. So, you know, we always kind of played around the same area. But you'd have you know six to seven teams in that area too, so the travel wasn't as bad until you now you start moving to uh, the double A categories and triple A. When now you're part of the region regional teams, you know, and then now you start traveling a little more across the well the province of Quebec a little more. Now you go to Quebec City, you go to Sherbrooke, you know, you drive you know three four hours now for games too. So and yes, I, we did have you know growing up, I will always remember those teams were always. Uh, you know, and I still talk to a lot of my minor hockey coaches that I had back then. And we were still had some pretty good teams. I was fortunate to have guys that kind of mentored me on the hockey side that way and kind of always kind of pushed us and you know, got us to learn the game properly. Is anyone you want to single out that had the lasting impact? Because you mentioned there's a number of uh, coaches that uh, had quite an impact on you. Yeah, for sure. There's a, actually, there's a, there's a couple for sure. The ones I always remember were. Uh, Gaetan Rabitai was a, one of the coaches I had with a really, really young age. Uh, you know, still follows me to, to this day, and I have always appreciated him. Like, I, you know, his son was one of my really good friends, too. And, you no, know, I think it was from, you know, age three to 10, where he was probably my coach. So I uh, will always appreciate what he did for me, getting me to the game. And once I got to the double A level, for sure, was Richard Drew, who was another coach I had, who, you know, really was, was there, you know. I guess teaching you the game properly and uh, good values of, of teammates and you know, I guess team chemistry and uh, we always had good groups, uh, good groups of teams, especially back then. And we kind of followed each other also on, on those regional teams where you know we had the same group of guys, pretty much the same group of guys for like four or five years, which uh, you know you get to you get to build some some really good friendships, you know, with uh, with those teams. And then, um, are there any? Um... Highlights you recall from those teams of say particular cha championships that you won, or um, some of the players that listeners are familiar with get to play in the Quebec uh, 
peewee tournament? Is there anything sort of stand out in your final journey that? No, see, that's that's the one thing I never got to do was the peewee tournament. Um, I always remember that year we were supposed to we were supposed to go. I think you had to be first in your division, uh, you know, by let's say you know December first or something. And we were first up to probably November 30th, 30th. And then on December 1st, we got the second. So we didn't get to go to the PV tournament. So that's always a little little knock on, on something I, I never got to do. I, w- I wish I would have done it. But um, no, no one, a couple of tournaments. I can't say that there's you know, some major tournaments that I've won. But, you know, I think more growing up as, you know, you, you kind of, I got to play, I guess, with the, the team Quebec when I was with the uh, under-17s. That's Later on, when I when I got to juniors and stuff. Yeah, so uh, walk us through that period of time. Then you mentioned uh, Team Quebec, and then we know um, just knowing doing the research, you end up playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for uh, Bay Como Drakkar in 1999. So um, was there a period in time where um, you you knew you might have a bit of a future at least at the junior level? Can you can you walk us through and take us back to those experiences that uh, that led to? being drafted yeah for sure i think i think even before that like i had a you know a pretty good season that as a, as a 15 year old in the in the midget triple a league uh with charlotte one and uh and then, you know you're at that point you're still kind of playing the game right you're just playing the game you like the game and you see what happens and that's when you kind of realize now like hey you know you might have a chance to get drafted to uh you know the major juniors and you know as a young kid when you're in quebec that's what you see you see the the teams in major juniors, like I used to go with my parents and watch a couple teams. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a dream to play in that league too, when you're, when you're kids from that, that area. So, so, um, once I got, you know, a pretty good season as a midget, then I get you know, the chance to, to be drafted in, in, in Bay Como, which, uh, I, I had no clue where Bay Como was. Um, so I, first time I, I, I heard about that, that town. I, when they drafted me, I had to go and get a map and figure out exactly where it was. Is it further north part of Quebec or? It's, it's about eight, eight hours northeast of Montreal. So it's, it's up there. It's up there and it's cold. Um, so, but it was, for me, it was probably the best, one of the best things uh, that happened in my life. It is, uh, met some great people, met my wife over there. Um, you know, the, my, my Billis family was, was just great. I still keep in touch with them, you know, to this day or, you know, so it really made a, a second family over there. So it, it really got me into this next level. Of, you know, it was the first steps to the next level of hockey for me, for sure. So um, what what round were you drafted in for the um, Bay Como? And um, what, what was that experience like finding out that you, you'd be going to uh, be drafted? And then there's no guarantees once you're drafted. Then you actually have to try out and make the team. So can you share, elaborate that with us? Yeah, for sure. No, it was I was really excited. Uh I think I was, I think I got ranked uh, in those rankings. I think I got ranked the list right before the draft. I got ranked in the first round, uh, which was a big surprise for me, right? And then finally draft comes and then, uh, you know, you get to come to go to the second round, which for me, you know, the, the number where, wherever the place you, you got drafted on was, was just a number. Well, for me, it's less, you know, when you get drafted, it just gives you a chance to, uh, to make it to a team, you know, to, to go to a camp and show what you can do it. Uh, yeah, for sure, it was it was exciting for for me to uh, to get to that point, and then at that point for me, it was next year I want to be I want to be on that team, and that's it's kind of the way I've I've ran my my career the whole you know my whole life was all right. What's the next step? Like I'm not in a hurry. I'm not looking too far ahead, but what's the next step now? Just get the camp, show what you can do, and get your spot on the team, and from there we'll keep moving on and show that you belong here. 
sure that he can have your your, your place and, and be a factor on the ice. Even at a young age, I wanted to go there and perform and show that I could, you know, be a top guy as, as a, even as a young player. So was that a was that a tough, challenging experience to go to camp and and make it on? Did you get the sense that uh, you were going to make it through and be on the team? When when did you find out that you made it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I, I had a pretty good camp at, uh, at uh, you know. Right off the bat, but again, back in those days, it was uh, hockey was a little different. Also, it was a, a, a much tougher junior junior league. Uh, you know, you get there and you see some. Uh, you know, the first first couple uh, preseason games, it was about five or five or six fights right in the first couple minutes. So, like, you know, kind of hits you, but you know, kind of lets you know which which level you're at at this point. So, well, it's not the the midget leagues anymore. So, but yeah, no, for, for me, like I said, I, I proud myself into just battling and you know, believe it in myself and what I could do. So, you know, I, I was hoping like, you never think that it's, 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 you never, I never took anything for granted. So until they told me, he's like, Hey Max, all right, you're staying here and making the team. I was going to keep working and keep working until, you know, I got to that point too. So once I for sure got to, got to know I was staying for sure. I was ecstatic and stuff. My parents were, I wouldn't say shocked, but you know, it's, it's eight hours for uh, away from, from their home and, uh, they weren't sure they didn't know anybody in that town and for, for them i think it was it was a little harder to see their little, little son move away from the hall at 16 but they knew it was the, the best thing for me to. and as i look at your statistics for those seasons from 1999 to 2003 I, I didn't realize so many games were played in the quebec junior league it seems like there's almost yeah more games than the ontario hockey league um 68 games 71 72 69 your point totals for defensemen were fairly high up there uh, 21 points in the first season, then 41, 41, and 44. Um, we'll, we'll get into the, your next stage in terms of the NHL draft in the moment, but uh, but it seems like you just sort of dived right in. Was it a veteran team? Was there a lot of turnover when you made it? That was it was a really veteran team. Uh, so you know that I got there and the team had just you know uh, became a new franchise three years ago. So I was the third third year of the team. So the team was still kind of finding their identity. They were always known to be, you know, the toughest team in the league. Uh, back then, you know, had some some pretty tough guys, you know, on that roster. So, uh, as a as a 16 year old, you're you're kind of, you know, at some point, you almost I almost felt a little comfortable sometimes with all the big guys that were behind me, so that we always had my back and making sure I was all shape. I also had to make sure that I, I I took my place. You know, I had to show others that I was here, you know, for a reason because I could play and I can you know, battle with those guys, no matter who was in front of me too. So. Yeah, I think it's important for listeners to know that, um, you know, other than the one season, 2000, where there were a lot of penalty minutes, you had 106. Um, your, your, your totals throughout your career, it, it shows that you're feisty, but obviously you're, you're balanced, like you're, you're a steady scorer and, and point getter, contributor, defenseman. So was that part of your game? Just sort of be of all around? For sure. I can always pride myself and get for me, like ballet, uh, you know, I always, even now as, as a coach, I always tell my players one-on-one battle. Like the game is a one-on-one battle. Wherever you go, it's, you know, it's a one-on-one battle to get to the corner. It's a one-on-one battle to a race for a puck. So uh, I always, you know, had that in mind and everything I did on the ice. And uh, for me, as, you know, I always wanted that part, but I wanted to contribute offensively too. So, uh, you know, I never saw myself as an offensive defenseman, but I always wanted to do the right things all over the ice for sure. So, so for me, it was, you know, you, you were talking about you know, my points year year after year. I always started the season telling myself, hey, if I start the season, I 
you know, at the end of the year, I'm going to look back and say, Hey, am I a better defenseman than I was when I was in August, you know, that I was in August. So, you know, if I got, if I was better, you know, at the end of the year, all right, good. I did my job. Like I never had a set goal for points or goals or for me, it's about getting better year after year. Yeah. So um, I also want to just go back a bit for the minor years. It, it sounds like you're a pretty supportive environment. The coaches uh, support and players and teammates. We, we've asked all our guests their experiences with, um, you know, diversity and, and racism, any of those impacts. Is there anything you want to share with us, uh, the positives or, or negatives in terms of uh, what you may have faced? And I'm also wondering, at the time you grew up, were there other players of different backgrounds on your teams when you were playing? Yeah, so when I grew up, I guess there was uh, you know, one other black player with me that kind of grew up with me, and we played together, again, from a young age of three, four years old, all the way up to you know, nine or ten, too. So we were probably the, the only two in, in, our, uh, in, our, in our team. But for me, I think it's the whole issues and stuff. I guess I, I didn't really experience that as a, at a young age. Uh, and I think the fact is what my parents taught me growing up is we're going to have to fight. People are going to say things about you. People are going to, and you're going to chant things, you know, about you. They're, trying, they're just going to try to uh, get you off your game. And then, you know, my dad always told me the only thing you can do is look at them, smile, keep playing, and show them why you're here. Right. So I always had that in mind. So, uh, but again, like all the players I played with were always the same kids. I, you know, I went to school to you know, school with, so we were always a good group of friends that we were always kind of hanging together. So I think that helped for sure, you know, not having to face uh, anything of that sort. So definitely support on your own team on the opposing teams. Is that something you would have faced? Uh, again, like I, I don't recall. I was so focused on what I was doing. I, you know, even growing up, like I, as even as a pro, like I wouldn't let anything bother me. Uh, you know, people could have said anything to me, and I would just kind of fly over my head, and I would keep my keep playing. And I, my dad always said, "Don't give him a choice, right? Don't give him a choice to to respect you just by the way you play, just by the way you you conduct yourself, the way you respect yourself, and the way you respect others. And then you know, you by by giving respect, you'll you'll bring respect to you also. Yeah. So I think you probably have had other um, other black players share experiences that would have been um, maybe far worse or maybe better than what you've described. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, if, if I I think the era I played in was was much better, I think, than the players that came before me. You know, it was a lot of the guys you know got to experience a, a lot of tough tough things. Uh, you know, growing up as as hockey players, to as a, as a black hockey player, and for me, I, I think I was. Uh, I hate to say the word fortunate because that's the way it should be. Like no one should have to, to face that. No one should have to endure that as a, as a, as an athlete, as you know, in life in general, right. I should have to face that too. So, um, but you know, I, I, I think I've had, you know, experiences with that. The only issues I've had, I guess, was, I think it happened once when I was in the ECHL, uh, when somebody actually made a comment on the ice during the play and I didn't even hear it. Uh, so I think the referee heard it. So referee went to the penalty box and he's like, Hey, we're not going to tell her that and nobody knew exactly what happened. Then the referee came to see me. He's like, Hey Max, like we're not going to tolerate that. He's going to get kicked out of the game. I'm like, okay. Like what happened? He's like, Oh, we called, caused your chocolate face. Like we're not going to tolerate that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, thank you. So for me, I, I didn't even hear it. So uh, I was kind of happy that somebody you know, took care of that even back then, you know, when it was, that was in 2004 or five or something. So, uh, even back then, somebody kind of res respected the fact that 
this shouldn't be allowed in our game. So that was, uh, I think that was the first time I actually uh, had to face something. And then the second time was I, I was in Manitoba. And then some of the fans were screaming. Uh, I think we, I was playing in Manitoba again against uh, Rochester, in Rochester. And some of the fans were kind of screaming at me and saying, hey, go back and play basketball. And, and again, I didn't hear it because I'm on the bench. I'm playing. I'm focused. And, you know, I don't really worry about those things, about what fans are saying. And my backup goalie, which was Drew McIntyre, which was one of my good friends, he heard, you know, heard the whole thing and he couldn't, he wasn't having it. So brought the security guard down, like, hey, singled them out in the stand. He's like, you have to kick those people out. And he got them kicked out, uh, kicked out of the, the stadium. So he told me that after the game, I didn't even know. So and he, I was kind of happy again. Like, that's why he's one of my best friends also where, uh, you know, I always had good people you know, supporting me for sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I think what you've described, um, which we've heard before, is the uh, position of people being allies. And um, whether you're black or another racialized group, you shouldn't just wholly have to own the standard and expectations. So I think the fact that um, over time, in a, in a positive sense, um, that's what has to be uh, seen more of the coaches, the parents, uh, people just sort of not tolerating anything, and, and the responsibility shared amongst, amongst everyone. Exactly. That you always want to have like people around you that are, you know, that are with you, and it you know, doesn't matter who you are or you know, what you're facing. You know, you got we all, we all have to stand together. That's for sure. So, um, and then in terms of uh, other players that were on your team, so was there any um, popular NHL players that um, you competed against either in minor hockey levels or in the QJ MHL? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think my my first. Uh, first year uh, as a 16-year-old, I played against, you know, Brad Richard was probably one of the biggest guys, you know, when I was really young age. Mike Ribeiro was one of the big guys, too. Uh, I actually got to play with Mike Ribeiro after in Dallas, which was pretty fun because we played against each other in my early uh, junior years. But I think I would say Pierre-Marc Bouchard was um, one of the guys, you know, were pretty much the same age. And we literally grew up playing against each other. I uh, didn't really know each other, but we played against each other every year from a really young age. I would say from, you know, eight, nine years old to, you know, all the way to 20 years old. So it was always fun to see him grow as a player. And then for me to, to be able to, to you know, to, to share, I guess, part of, of his career playing against him, uh, you know, was, was really good, especially after the, you can see the career he's had uh, in the NHL after that. And then for, for listeners that uh, may not be aware of the junior hockey experience um what would you say it, it gives you it, it it seems aside from everything it's given you uh professionally um you're really kind of taught to be a a pro at that age um so maybe just delve a little bit more into that experience you played for bay como from 1999 to 2004 yeah for sure i think his you know junior hockey gives you like you're away from home so uh the the good thing is for me i was fortunate to have a really good billet family and at 16, you're still a kid. You know what? Sometimes at 16, you think you're 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 pretty much an adult, but yet you're still a kid and you're still being raised. Uh, so those those Billa families are, are doing a, a you know a great job, and it's a, it's a great service to, to those teams to to help raise those young kids. You know, at a junior age, at a young age, to become you know men basically. So for me, it's that it was more than hockey. Uh, I think that's where I, I you know you, you you live with a different family. You live with a, a you know. A different culture for myself so you kind of have to, to learn different ways 
Uh, so it kind of opens up your 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 eyes your eyes on the world. That's for sure, and and, and how other people live, and especially in different area of, uh, of the province. But again, for me, it's I met so many people, uh, you know, through playing in my in my junior years, and from there, I think it really set me up properly in how to be ready for pro hockey. Because I think junior, that's the, the good thing about junior. It's the level of hockey is probably the closest to. Uh, to get into pro hockey, you know, the way that the game is played and uh, the pace the game is played over there, it's, I think it was the fastest route to, to, to pro hockey. But for me, like I said, it was more than that. It was more the lifestyle, how you become a man, you know, over there. And as a junior kid and, you know, getting to, uh, you know, from 16 to 20 years old, like you're, there's a lot of change going on in those years. So you've lived in the U.S. now recently for a while and you've um, been exposed to the, uh, collegiate system uh, for sports. Was that a consideration for you at the time? Um, I know you went to Quebec at 16, but was the NCA something that uh, was an option that you were considering? Yeah, you know what? So back back then, it, it wasn't something that was really talked about. You know, you'd hear of a couple of players that actually took that route. Uh, but like I said, growing up in, in Montreal, growing up in Quebec, you know, you're playing hockey, you're, you're your natural route is to go, you know, play midget, play junior hockey, and then go to pro. Right? That's uh, and I think now people are opening up to, to their eyes to this new route of college hockey, which I think is great. Also, like I had a chance, I had a, I wouldn't say an offer, but uh, I guess an invite. I think it was Vermont, maybe or something, when I was in midget hockey. But uh, like I said, it wasn't something that was really talked about that much back then. So I, you know, that's why for me, I was, I kind of had my mind, my mind set about playing junior hockey because that's the way that's the way you know kids went you know you didn't really hear about anybody going to to the college uh, college route but I, I like i said it's great to see now that route offers a different path for a lot of different players and um it's it's something that i think gives kids uh, a, a different path that is well great academically well you get to go to school you know get your degree and stuff so it's uh it, it's a great route for for hockey players. Okay. And is that something you continued on when you were at Bay Como? Did you do a post-secondary uh, education? Yeah. Yeah, we, I did. Uh, so I didn't go to college. I didn't go back. We had the CJEP, uh, which is kind of a, a, I guess, a great, you know, 12, 13. And uh, so did that during my years over there. And uh, for my parents, it was always important for me to, uh, you know, to keep my, my good grades and keep my, my school going. So, uh, that's you know it, it was it was a must for me with uh with, with with my parents i had to make sure my i kept going to school properly and get, getting good grades too so and and that's for me it's values that i also keep for my own kids making sure that your grades are going to be everything for you in life yeah and then with big como where's ray highlights you want to share with us in terms of any success in the playoffs or championships uh throughout those years yeah for sure we had the uh, so the first, like I said, the first couple of years were uh, in the mix, new team coming in. Third year, we're kind of veteran team, but now this new waves of, of players are all coming in. I think my my second year, you know, we had, you know, a, a bunch of 17-year-olds. You know, we had eight, eight or nine 17-year-olds. So we knew that in a year or two, we were about to get there to be, you know, top of the league. So as, as we're all coming together, same age, good players. Um, so our, my last year, over there, we finished first in the league. Uh, I think we were 
top three in Canada. You know, we really thought we had a chance to, to go all the way to the main cup. We actually lost against Halifax uh, at home. I think it was game seven. So that one was really rough to, to swallow because we had a really, really good team that year and uh, we really thought we could make it. Uh, but still, we still won the, you know, the, the league that year, the season, the season championship. Too. So, uh, had some really, really good players, you know, in, in that team. And it was, uh, for sure the year I'll always remember. Yeah. If you're enjoying recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. So um, it, it doesn't appear you got drafted, but you were like a free agent signing eventually um, when you got the pathway to, to, to Dallas. And I, I'm not sure if that happened um, later on or soon after junior. So maybe let us let us know what happened following Bay Como, your your pathway. I know that you uh, played in the ECHL for for a few years between them and Houston Arrows and the AHL. So were you signed early on in some way following junior? Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. So I you know, I I was hoping to get drafted. Uh, didn't happen. You know, my uh, 18-year-old year, 19-year-old year. So uh, for me, it was all right. Keep pushing. We'll find another way to another way to make it. Right? We can't all get drafted, I guess. So um, yeah, I went to camp in uh, in Minnesota that year. I was at camp in Minnesota at my 20-year-old year. So I went to Traverse City uh, tournament with them. Played a played a good tournament. So they invited me to the main camp, and then from there, I uh, I actually. Uh, signed a, a contract with the Houston Arrows in the AHL. Uh, it was a kind of a two-way contract. So I spent the most of the year in the ECHL with uh, Louisiana. So from there, uh, you know, played. I signed uh, two years, I guess, one year, two one-year deals. Again, so I played most of those two years in the in the in the ECHL. It was also the lockout year, which all the guys in the NHL were pushed down to the AHL, and then all the AHL guys pushed down to to the East Coast. So it was kind of hard to. Uh, to get a spot in in the AHL that year, so you know, in, in my head, I thought I could have played like my second year in Houston. I could have played there, but things happen in life where you, you again, that's finding a, a different path. I had to keep pushing too. So, but from there, you know, at least I got a chance to play for my first couple of years. You know, I played you know about twenty five, twenty six games in the AHL in those two first years. So I got my first taste uh, of the game, and I, I I kind of told myself that hey, I can play that league. So you know. Keep pushing, and you get your chance at some point. Was it a big step up? What What's the differences in, in hockey? Is it the speed, the size of players when you're when you're moving from junior up to uh, to pro? What's what are the big differences? The smarts, like guys are, you know, when you're in juniors, uh, especially now with, with this era now, I think uh, you know the, the game is is really fast, but guys are smart. Like once you come in into juniors, those guys that are coming to pro are twenty year old, right, 19, 20 year old, and you know, a lot of times are your top dog in that league, right? So you can pretty much do whatever you want on the ice. But now once you jump the pro, you're playing against guys that have done it for, you know, 12, 13 years. So, uh, you know, you have to adjust your roles. You have to adjust your game. You have to uh, 
realize that you have to play the game the right way, right? It's it's not gonna, it, it never comes as easy as it was in junior. So when guys, I think a lot of guys sometimes these days have trouble adjusting to the pace, uh, to the smarts of the guys on the ice as, as a pro, as a pro athlete. So, but when guys can like get to realize that there's always an adjustment period, but once you get to that point, I think that that's what helps you as a junior kid moving up to pro. It's, the game is fast, but guys are really, really smart too once they get to pro. Okay, so just like junior, Tell us about the differences of the entire lifestyle becoming a pro for the, when you're with the ECHL and American Hockey League. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, the the ECHL to the you know I spent two years there basically, and for me it was all right. I want to I want to get out of there. For me, uh, you know the league was was different back then. Again, like you had you know three four players that wanted to make it, that really wanted to make it to the next level, and then you had the you know rest of the guys who were you know, there to have fun and party. So you really have to, and I always said that to, you know, the guys that I uh, I played with that were going down to the ECHL when I was in the EHL. It's like, you got to know who you're hanging with, who you're doing your stuff with, who you're, you know, who you're, you know, doing your off ice with because you got to figure out who wants to make it, who wants to, you know, push it with you to get back to this this level. And uh, I had that in mind. And for me, I, was, I wasn't going to let anyone, kind of steer me away from making it to the AHL and for sure it's it was a big step but I knew I could do it after playing a couple you know know, about 25 games or so in the AHL the years before once I got the chance for me I I didn't want to look back that's for sure but it's for sure it's it's another step right the AHL again is fast it's you know second best league in the world you know we would say and guys are fast or smart so it's 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 a big level for sure for guys that are coming from the ACHL but at that stage, there's no more. Your day isn't filled up with school anymore. So what does your day look like as, as a pro then when you're in those leagues? For sure. Now you're exactly. Now you're a pro, right? So uh, for me, those years, I actually, I still kept taking a couple of classes, university classes, because I wanted to, to finish a couple of things in school. So that was really important for me. Uh, but yeah, now you're, you're getting to you know, cook your own food, right? You're not, you don't have a billet family anymore. So you're getting to cook your own food. Uh, you have to do your own groceries. So that part is is a big step in 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 growing up as a person, right? Now you're, you know, once you get to the AHL, now you have to find your place, find an apartment. You have to, you know, set up your cable, your your electricity and stuff. So all things that you've never done before. So it's all little things that you have to to learn how to manage. Also, and you know, it, it makes you grow up for sure, really, really fast uh, as as a human. And then uh, Max, do you have an agent through all these years? Is that someone that represents you? Um, like you went from Houston to Manitoba as well. So was that a, was that a your choice? Was that a trade? You could maybe delve into that for us. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, so I had my agent. Uh, my agent, I got her when I was playing in Bay Como, uh, Paul Corbet, which was you know a great mentor for me. He was you know like a he was just a, a good mentor and always pushed for me because he's one of the guys who's worked the hardest for me i guess in the micro he really wanted me to make it and he knew how how hard i was working too so um he uh yeah so after my couple years in uh in houston uh you know i wasn't sure if i wanted to go back again i probably could have went back to but uh the general manager in in manitoba you know actually called him the year before uh, to get me to manitoba and i said no i wanted to stay there because i was used to the place and I, I thought I had a chance to make it uh, with the arrows and Houston with the AHL. And then, so when they called back again and my agent told me, he's like, Hey, you know, they really want you. They've been calling for two years and I think it'd be a good spot for you too. So, you know, I called them back and, you know, they, we've signed a contract as a free agent there and 
you know, that uh, the general manager is Craig Heiselier. And for me, he's, uh, you know, the person I trust the most in hockey. And he's been a guy who believed in me the most uh, as a hockey player, for sure. And are these multi-year contracts when you're in your situation or single-year contracts? How, how does that work? Uh, my first contract in Manitoba was uh, two years. It was a two-year contract. So again, that's the that's the beauty of hockey is that you sign a you know, like one year or two years. I mean, you never know where you're going to be the next year, right? My dad always said, "We're just a big piece of meat. All you can do is play year after year and then see where you end up to." So um, I was I was happy to I was fortunate, I guess, in my career to uh, had I've had some pretty long stints in my teams, played four years in Manitoba, six years in Texas, right, a couple of years in, in Iowa. So. For, as, a, as a hockey player, I think it's that stability was uh, was key, and it's it's not something that happens a lot uh, in our game where guys are moving from team to team year after year. So I'm I'm really fortunate to, to have been able to, to stay in those teams. And again, and, and Manitoba was again a next step to you know, go into where I wanted to be to to, to play in the NHL one day. And, uh, for me, that I, I I've learned so many qualities, played so, with so many great players in Manitoba found a way to, to learn how to be a leader in a, in a locker room and try to lead a locker room to there. So Ray Newfeld was one of the players, earlier players we interviewed, the former Winnipeg Jack, who seems to be quite involved with the uh, with the Jets. Did you get a chance to meet him during those years? No, I, I don't you think I have. Um, yeah. Okay, he'd be, he'd be really, really uh, interested in connecting with you. So your agent again then, 2008-9 is your last season with Manitoba, and then you're with the Texas Stars. Which is now the team you're you're coaching with, and then you land with uh, Dallas. So tell us again what what happened in terms of that move from one organization to another. Yeah, so I uh, so I played three years in uh, in Manitoba, and then after my third year, I was I was about to play another year in Manitoba. So after my third year in Manitoba, I signed a contract with Dallas, which was my first NHL contract. But that year, they didn't have a, any uh, an NHL team; they didn't have a farm team, so. All the Dallas guys, all the Dallas prospects, were kind of scattered all over the league. So, you know, they kind of asked me, "Hey, you want to stay in in Manitoba?" I'm like, "For sure, I want to stay here, right?" And so, I, I kind of got fortunate to stay in the same same place I was, even if I was in a Dallas contract. So for for a year, and then the year after, when I'll always remember the, the GM kind of t- asked me, "He's like, hey, Max, you want to stay here for another year?" And uh, even if you're with Dallas, and I, that's what I told him, "Like, hey, I, I think I have to go uh, to their." farm team just to be closer to the team, you know, making sure I'm, I'm around, uh, you know, around the Dallas environment and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, it was, it was a tough decision because we have, a we had such a good time. My, my wife and I, my, my oldest son in, in Manitoba met some great people that are again, still great friends and great organization over there in Manitoba to the way they ran things it was just like a professional hot, like an NHL team. Basically. Um, so it was, it was tough to, to have to move from there. And again, I, I, well, don't regret that decision for for you know, the path that it kind of led me to uh, to play with uh, the Dallas organization. Yeah, so share that um, sequence of events then that led from you playing for the Texas Stars and then being called up to uh, yeah. to Dallas. Yeah, so after my exactly played four years in Manitoba, and then I went to uh, yeah went to Texas, played the, a year there. You know, it was my second year with the organization, and then that's well. Had a pretty good season. I was becoming one of the, uh, you know, mid-age, mid-age players. Uh, you know, you're not a rookie anymore. You're not a really old veteran, uh, but you're you're still you know be- becoming one of the players that uh, you know the team is is really counting on. And 
uh, you know, I was trying to bring in my leadership there. And I think I got a call from the GM. I think it was November. You know, he called me. I was just home with my wife. And she, my GM just called me one night. He's like, hey, Max, there's been an injury. We need you to uh, go up to Dallas. Not sure if you're going to play, but uh, it's your first call up too. So uh, I was I was really happy. First person I called was, you know, called my parents. And then I called the, the general manager in, in Manitoba. Just, you know, just you. I wanted him to, to know first that, you know, I was going up and, uh, it was a lot of thanks to him too, also because he was the first one who actually believed in me too. So, um, yeah. So where was the game that you were called up to? It was in it was in Dallas against Detroit, which Detroit was one of my favorite teams growing up. To ask me why, I'm, I'm not sure why it was, but it was, he was Dallas. Detroit was always one of my favorite teams growing up, and uh, so for me, you know, got to play against the Batsuks, and you know, it was it was it was such an, an incredible feeling. I always remember. Right before the game, before the initial puck drop, I was on the bench, and if the cameras would have been on my face, like my smile was, you know, all the way from ear to ear. I was so happy to be there, and you know, that was just such a, a an amazing achievement for 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 myself and uh, for my family, for my parents, all the work they've put in, all the sacrifices they put in all over the years. So, you know, it was good to to be able to to be there and have my my, my wife and my my son, you know, being able to experience that with me too was. So you have a feeling. short stint in an HL eight games, but but when you look back, um, what things sort of stand out from that experience in NHL? Oh, that's that's it's such a that's that's such a good level. Just the if you look just look back at who you're playing against, right? As you're 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 looking back at you know the, the players who you're you like I said you're playing against the Batsus, you're 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 playing with playing with Mike Medano, right? You're it's it's such you know, guys that you've you've kind of looked up to growing up or looked up to when you're you know, you kinda of see them on T V. It's 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 such an amazing feeling to, to be able to you know to, to get to that level. Yeah, it's 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 just there's no way to almost describe it just because it's it's such an, an achievement and you know, it's it's just it's a lot of hard work to get there. But once you hit it, you know, once you play one, the next step is hey, I wanna get more, I wanna get more, I wanna get more all the time. And you wanna stay at that level. And it's interesting because you play those eight games in 2009 and then three seasons passed, 2010, 11, 12, 13. I imagine you, no one wants to leave. I imagine when you play those eight games, you're hoping, can I stick? And then you're probably wondering, will this ever come back again? And according to these records, it did come back. You played another game in 2013, 14. And is that, is that that much sweeter after being away? Oh, I was for sure because I, you know, you, you're trying to you're trying to get there you're trying to you know do what you can to to show them that you can be in that level and again there's a big part of timing there's injuries that you need to uh to have and to get to get a chance to, to get there and uh, you know didn't happen you know it's that's part of the game sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't so once uh you know those years pass and then actually that year uh i wasn't on a deal with dallas to start the year i was just on a one-way hl deal and then they kind of told me he's like hey max like we're just going to sign you on an hl deal and We'll see if you need, you know, if you have a chance to sign with any other team in the NHL, you'll get the chance also. And uh, if we need you, we'll we'll give you a call too. So, you know, I was still playing and you're always playing, trying to get noticed by someone, trying to re- see if somebody's going to give you a call to uh, to go and help them in the NHL. And uh, that call came in, I think it was in December when uh agent called me. He's like, hey, you're going to, you're getting called up. You were going to sign you to an NHL deal. And then, you know, there's been a couple injuries. We need you to come and help us so it was it was an amazing feeling i got to go in uh in la play game there and the funny thing is 
I was the oldest defenseman on the team that that game, right? Because all the all the other guys were younger than me, and all the guys that were in Dallas and the other guys that were called up were all younger than me. So I was probably the guy with the least NHL experience, but I was the oldest on 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 the on the team that night, and you know got my first point also that game. Uh, so it was it was good. It was great to uh, to be able to, to to be back and finish my uh, my uh, my last game in NHL that way for sure. Yeah, um, we didn't get to interview. Uh, one of the players here, I'm just looking at that roster, uh, Trevor Daly, who became a very uh, successful um, black player for the Dallas uh, Stars. We, we still have in the queue to interview. So do you get, get a chance to meet uh, Trevor Daly? And- yeah, I played with him, uh, I guess, my first my first eight games. I guess yeah, my first all my games I played uh, were always you. Every time I've been in the organization I played there in Dallas, he was always there uh, with me. So, uh, And he's somebody that I knew from, from my junior years, from going to camp in the uh, in Halifax for Team Canada, uh, so we were at the training camp together. Oh, you're also. same age, yeah, Correct. yeah, exactly, yeah. the same age. So uh, I, w- I was good, and I went to training camp later on. In a, like a couple years after that, I went to camp in Dallas when I was 18 years old, and we still, you know, we met there again. So uh, over the years, we kind of follow each other so yeah he's some somebody i always kind of looked up to and really appreciate what he did also was that special for you I, again sometimes people recognize the significance when there is someone that's like you on the same team so th- did that feel good in any way oh for sure for sure it's it's fun to see that you know you're you're not necessarily alone like not that i, I felt alone uh but it's it's good to see that there's you know other guys are you know live in the same way you are feeling the same things you are and you know fight fighting for, for for the same things and we we always say that we we always have to work twice as hard you know to to, to get noticed and stuff and he had such an amazing career uh, in Dallas and all the teams he's played for so he's just a, a great guy to, to to have around and he was you know respected by by all his teammates everywhere he went yeah a very very strong career as you mentioned so some of the other guests we've interviewed took the path to go to Europe are there differences, decisions factor in either financially? Like you look like you had a very good longstanding American Hockey League career. So did that factor into the fact that you, you were comfortable, you might have still been chasing the opportunity for the NHL? Um, maybe just compare those uh, those experiences for you. Because we met some players that when they left the NHL for 10 years later, they went to Europe and play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, though for me, uh, you know, I, I thought about going to Europe when I was in Manitoba. Because I wasn't getting, you know, uh, NHL contracts, I, I felt like I wasn't getting seen or anything. So I was like, maybe I just need to go to Europe and you'll get a different path, I guess, right? And uh, the general manager always told me, he's like, Max, like Europe is always going to be there. Like, keep pushing, keep fighting, and keep playing. Like, you'll have a good career, but Europe is always going to be there for you at some point down the line too. So I always kind of had that in mind. So I never really pushed to go over, and I had one goal in mind. Like for me, like I said, growing up. I was about playing in the NHL. Like I, I didn't grow up to go, you know, play in Europe and win a, you know, a championship in Europe. I wanted to play in the NHL. Wanted, to, you know, give a shot at winning a Stanley Cup. And if I was in the NHL, wanted to win a Calder Cup. So it was for me that was the goal. Like I wasn't to go to Europe. So I, I took my time. Like I said, I never looked too far ahead. It was step by step, year after year, and I knew at some point I was going to get there. So, but at some point when I was, you know, older in my career, you know, I kind of you know, decided to actually make the move to Europe and. Well, I, I thought it was it was a, a good thing. I think I was ready to go. It was a hard experience to go over, especially because my family stayed in Canada. But I was kind of ready to experience something else, and I think it really helped me learn a different part of the game, learn different aspects of the game. And as a coach now, I think it's, it was one of the best things to 
to round up my game, my knowledge of the game. So what country was that? And you played for the Fish Fishtown Penguins? Yeah, Fishtown Penguins in Bremerhaven, and that's in Germany, yeah, in the DEL okay. in Germany. Yeah. So spent three years over there uh, after my uh, my last year in the AHL, after, was it, you know, 15 years or so in the AHL. And I, I always say, I, I think I was, uh, my game was more suited for North America. So, but it was still a good experience, like I said, to, to learn different things, you know, different things about the game for sure. And again, it's all about the connections you make. And then once you go over there and you have, you have a team and you make, you know, you have, you meet good, good people, you know, it's, it's friendship that you keep for, for your whole life. Yeah. And there's a, of course, a decision about you're playing this game and what's happening the rest of your life. So was it financially rewarding those years for you? I know it's not NHL money, but were you, were you paid well? To, to make enough to make you say, you know, this is still a lifestyle that that you'd like. I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say so. We were a pretty you know, I guess low budget team if I could say. Uh, but I I just love the game and you know I I, I can't say if, if some guys you know will go to Russia and you know make millions and you know we go to Switzerland and make much money. But uh, no, I can't say for me it was you know financially motivated. For me it was. All right, that's you know it's an experience. Like yeah, I get to keep playing. You know we get to go to another country and uh, see what happens. I guess and uh, you never know. Just experiencing a different day. So uh, yeah. And before we move on to the coaching, uh, the American Hockey League, the then and now, were you on buses? Were you flying when you played for Texas and Manitoba? What was that like? Uh, so you know I've always been on teams that were pretty far away from all the other teams. <laughs> So uh, when I was in Manitoba, yeah, we would fly everywhere. You know, you you fly to, uh, you know, you fly to Chicago, and then you kind of bus from team to team in Milwaukee, and uh, you know all the teams around there, I guess. Um, and then same thing when I was in uh, in in Texas here, and it's kind of same thing that's happened to, to me as a coach now. Where uh, you know you, you always you always fly. We're so far away from from other teams, so you're you know again you're flying now we're flying to california and then you bust in the california region you're flying to you know chicago you fly in, in that area of, uh, of the states too so you know back then for sure and where we where we are here in texas we did have houston and san antonio and oklahoma that was you know and we did those as a bus trip so uh but now the, the layout of the, of the league has changed a lot to since those years passed. So now you've been an assistant now with the team you played for, the Texas Stars, since 2021 when your career ended. So is this something you thought about the years before you joined and had that opportunity in 2021? Yeah, for sure. It's it's something I think later on in my career, I always, uh, you know, I started to get a little more involved with the coaches. I wanted to, you know, I was asking probably more questions and trying to figure out why they were doing certain things and why they would, you know, tell us certain things. Just well, either it was all on on the team chemistry part, or you know, on you know, tactically also, just to to figure out you know different things and and, and the reasoning why you know we're doing it. And I think it started with my first year in Texas, where I started. I was with Paul Gerard and uh, and Glenn Gallatin, and then so you know, I would I would ask him questions, and uh, it kind of got to it got me to understand a lot of things that you know why they were thinking it and how and why they were doing things on the ice. So I think at that point, that's where I realized I, I've always liked to help young guys around me be a leader in the room. That's where I kind of started liking the coaching part of it, for sure. Yeah, because it just seems like just a seamless transition. And um, having three years behind you, uh, that could be a lifetime, the, the, the fact that you're at such a high level 
of coaching experience. So, so that that must be something for you to reflect upon looking back already. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when when I finished my career in Germany, my last year, uh, you know, the the GM of uh, the Texas Arts called me right away after you know I think it was a week after my season ended and uh, asked me if I wanted to uh, to become a coach. They wanted to add a new coach for me. That organization has done so me so much for me over the years. Uh, you know, it's it was pretty much the same staff that you know, that was still here that when I played, I guess. So uh, I, it was a familiar place for me for my family. So it was kind of a, of a no brainer for for me just to start a, uh, a coaching career. So I, I think it was pretty fortunate to, to have the chance to come back to Texas and and start you know giving back to the players things I've learned over over the, over the years. So give us a bit of a window into what your day looks like in coaching now. I'm at the, the stars. <laughs> Coaches, coaching is a lot of work. Coaching is a lot of work. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So now you know we you know we we'll, we'll get we'll get to the rink around you know after dropping the kids at school. So that's that's the one thing that's that, that we uh, really you know care about as coaches in in our staff where uh, all three of our coachings uh, our coaches have kids. We all have kids the same age. So we really want to be present uh, at home you know with our families and that and that's that's one thing that our coach Jill Graham really you know, is, is really big on. It's like making sure that we're available at home too. So dropping off our kids is, is one of the little places that we, that we can be, uh, that we can be available. So we really take pride in, in that. So dropping off the kids at school and then we make our way uh, onto the lake around seven thirty or so, eight o'clock and then eight thirty nine we, we start our meetings, uh, you know, for then, you know, meet with the players, prepare practices that you're on the ice, you know, from 11 to noon, 11 to 1230 or so. You know, and then again, right away, it's once you're off practice, you run either a couple of individual meetings, you'll run some, uh, you know, some coaches meetings just to make sure that we're prepared for either the weekend of games that are, that are coming or, or the next couple of practices, making sure that we, we know exactly what we, what we want to teach to, to each player. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a full day, a full day thing for us. And then again, once we're, we're out of the rake, we're, we're, back to going to get the kids right from the rink, right to school to get the kids. And from there, you're, you're back home. And, you know, now it's, it's again, be, be the dad, be the dad at home, trying to help around the house, you know, help with kids playing hockey, playing soccer, so, you know, all over the place. And sometimes you'll get back home and then you'll, you'll get back on the computer for a little bit to get more work and start preparing for, for the next day right away. And we, we love what we do. We love what we do. Being able to be at the rink, you know, like we say, coaching is the second best thing after being a player. You'll be being able to, to to share that with, with guys that you like working with. It just makes it fun to get to the rake every day. And then, as you said before, you kind of take one or two years at a time. So are you motivated right now to sort of see yourself progressing from your, your current role? Is that a goal of yours to one day, you know, coach in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the same way as a player, right? We always you always do something, like I said earlier, you do something to be the best at what you do. You know, for me, I want to grow as a coach. Uh, for sure, I, I'd, I'd love to coach in the NHL. Is it going to happen one day? Who knows? I don't know, but I'm going to work towards that. But by doing that, it's going to be about working, getting better as a coach, learning a lot as a coach. You know, I'm three years in. Who knows if it's going to happen, where, when, if. So, But it's all about working and keep loving what, what you do. And uh, For me, I'm, I'm always taking it step by step. I'm, I'm, I'm in no hurry, for sure. So you're 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 motivated to sort of just hone your craft and just um, you know being mentored and soak in and learn as much as you can and just have as much of an impact you have on yeah. the, the players and team. Yeah, I think I, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you can't. I don't think you can 
yes, we all have goals, I guess, in life, and you, you need to have goals. Uh, but I, I don't think I want to focus just on that. Say, hey, I need to make it in the NHL in three years. I need to be there. I need to, you know, things things in life they they all take their place. Uh, you know, if, if they have yeah. to come. Well, it sounds like you're in a very good, um, very good environment for that learning and collaboration, um, and just. Uh, be able to just come right after your career. That's a really good opportunity as well, just in terms of your timing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I was really, like I said, I was really fortunate to be able to, to come back to a place that I knew, uh, like my family knew and was, was we were comfortable in. You know, the, the staff that I'm with, with, like I said, Neil Graham and Travis Warren, which is a player I played with for six years in Texas also. You know, we were teammates uh, here for six years, won a championship together. You know, we were kind of crafted the same way. We have the same vision. Uh, and, and like I said, we're, we're, we're all the same people but different, which which makes it fun to get to the ring, which makes us challenge each other also to, to, to be better every day. And I, I think for me, uh, it's been good for my my development to see those guys, just see how they interact with, with other players and, uh, you know, with, with the staff and with the game. So um, likely, if you're not the only, you're one of the few um, black or racialized coaches probably in the American Hockey League, are, are you noticing uh, the benefits of how people um, – see you whether it's uh black or other minorities uh, or fans uh, or players uh, what's that been like for you uh, i mean yeah for sure it's it's great like even not only as a coach i i think i've you know i think the the most rewarding thing i've, I've heard as a player was somebody who came to see me is like hey my son you know who's black started to play hockey because of you you know he saw you play he's like hey mom i want to play hockey too just like just like Max, right? So for me, that was the if I help you know bring one person into the into the game, then my job, I guess, right? And I always want to be a a, a model for for kids of you know all the cities. Uh, but it, it's good to see kids that are you know in, in those minority settings to to see maybe if, if I can be a, for sure, for sure a model and they can see me and they say, hey, if he's doing it for sure, why why not you know why not me? So so for sure, I, it's the same thing as a coach, you know guys can see you know that i was a player before and now i'm here i battle it's possible to to make it no matter who you are you know you know what you're facing you just have a you just need to have a, a good a good mind on your on the, you know or in your head and are you optimistic from what you're experiencing right now and seeing either from american hockey league or the national hockey league in terms of uh, how the game may be growing at a minor hockey league level you, you're currently situated in the state so we know there's other very popular sports around you, in particular football and uh, baseball and uh, basketball. So, so what, how are you seeing hockey in the landscape of all those things in the U.S.? I think the game is growing. It's growing. It's been growing a lot. Uh, I think the NHL has been doing a really, really good job advertising the game more and more. Uh, you know, hockey is such a good sport. It's 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 a sport that you have to go see to to really start you know, liking it. Phil, uh, if you look here in Texas. When I first came, you know, in 2009, first thing I said, it's like, oh, we're in Texas. Like, I'm not sure how that's going to happen, right? What, uh, how that's going to go, especially, uh, you know, with football around. And I remember we got here my first year, you know, games were almost sold out every time because it's they're so close. They like to have a team here in Texas too. So there's a lot of different markets that are growing the game and you can see it with a lot of the minor hockey that's starting in, in those you know, little areas that are, even on common to hockey, like you look at the minor hockey in, in California, in, you know, LA region, you know, all those, those little spots, even in Dallas has a big minor hockey program. So just that is bringing the game 
to more and more people, more minorities, more diversities, and it just helps grow the game, helps more people you know get involved with the game, which is which is awesome for the sports in the states for sure. And people talk about um, barriers sometimes financial for for all groups of people um, that may not be there in some other sports. Are, are you observing that at all? Are you seeing some some uh, strategies to uh, mitigate those barriers? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, hockey is an expensive sport, right? It's an expensive sport, and uh, I, I think that's the the one thing where uh, it might not be accessible to everyone, which is kind of a, a sad thing, uh, you know. But I, I know here in Austin, uh, they, you know, they do have a, a couple of days. I think it's a couple of days. It might be a week too, where they do uh, a program that's called Play Hockey for Free or Try Hockey for Free, right? And the lady who runs it, uh, was Angie Schneider, actually, she's a great lady. She's from Winnipeg, um, and then she runs a minor hockey program, and she's done such a good job since. Even when I was here in 2009, my oldest son back then, uh, started playing hockey and I'm my old, my youngest plays and just the growth in the amount of players in this region has been just real tremendous. And as for those programs like this, when you let people try it, come and see what it is exactly, learn about the game. And I, I think if, if we can do that more and more in different regions, try to attract, you know, hockey to places where it's not necessarily common to see it kids are going to love it. It's such a good sport. It's just a fun sport. It's a fast sport. And, you know, kids just love, uh, you know, just love the game. So I think that's, a, it's a good way to let kids try it. Just let kids try it. Just give them a chance to try it. And there probably is an argument that the more the game grows, perhaps the more accessibility might be because, you know, just the, the scalability of having more people involved might uh, reduce some of the, reduce some of those costs. So I think that's what some people are hoping in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then you know you you have you know I know there's uh, hockey rates. I'll have programs where they'll just you know give away equipment. Also, you know that's another way to you know sometimes parents you know can't afford you know they might be able to afford a you know the membership for a year, but they won't be able to afford the equipment. So when you have those programs that are helping the kids you know get free gear, you know it's just another way to to get the kids involved that that wouldn't have a chance to play if if those programs were on. Yeah, and getting back to the comparisons with junior hockey and U.S. Um, scholarships, if you can somehow um, bridge those experiences enough to get to a student for possibly a path leg scholarship, then you know that might be some way of uh, broadening the access in the future as well. But I know there's lots of years before you get that. Yeah, for sure. US. For sure, there's it's 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 there's a lot of complicated things. I guess getting scholarships and you know, hockey and as as a minor minor player for sure. Yeah, and I think the um, the prep school movement, which I think has happened in hockey and it's happened in basketball, there are sometimes opportunities for students to sort of just be taken in to those prep schools too. So perhaps that might be a pathway as well. Yeah, for sure. I think they're, they're growing a lot. I think it's, it's a, another different way for, for, for kids. I know I've heard of a couple you know, kids in, in Montreal, like they were thinking about going that route and I had a, a friend who was thinking about even starting a prep school, you know, in, in our area too. So it would be just a different path. And for even kids that are in Canada, let's say, you know, to get a, a different right. path to actually then go to, to, to the States after and get a little more uh, showcasing. Very nice. So you've been generous with your time, Max. I just want to wrap up with one more question, just um, if you could give some advice you would give for a young hockey player playing today. For me, uh, the first thing, uh, the, the way you handle yourself <laughs> in, in every aspect, and it's not just hockey. Hockey is a, you know, is a, is a, is a small part of our lives respect you know or with people that are around you 
people that that you're that you're meeting every day, uh, it goes a long way. And then once you take that part as as a player with, with your teammates, with your coaches, uh, you know, your, your with your love for the game, respecting the game, it, it just you know it, it has a limit to where it can bring you, and people will appreciate you uh, in what you're doing. So I, I think there's 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 so many things like yes, you you have to work hard every day, and it's it's it's, it's not going to be an easy road. Uh, if you, but you had you got to have dreams, you got to believe in your dreams, respect what you what you do, respect people around you. For me, it's it's been it's been the key. It's one of the things I you know I I teach you know my players, I teach my kids. That's the the first thing you know that that gets you to be the person you want to be in life. And by doing that, you'll be able to to to, to become the player you want to be. So that's great advice, Max. And um, really look forward to following your career in the upcoming years as you sort of incrementally continue to uh, grow and impact others. I, I know that the mentors um, around you from a young age and your family, your focus on education have really had quite an impact on you. So it's, it's been great to hear your story and um, just appreciate you spending the time with us uh, today. And if I do get out to uh, Texas sometime, I, I have been to University of uh, uh, Texas, that's in Austin where you are before a lovely city. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. It's an amazing city. So yeah, for sure. Please, please give me a call. That's for sure. And, uh, I'd love to get you out to a game. We're proud to be working with hockey equality. Hockey equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out hockeyequality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.